is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant with the Schuler Group with the When People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. Today on my show, I am excited to have Ryan Gottfriedson, and he is the best-selling author of Success Mindsets, as well as the upcoming book, The Elevated Leader, Leveling Up Your Leadership Through Vertical Development. He's also a cutting-edge leadership development author, researcher, and consultant, and he's all about that vertical development. So, Ryan, I know I'm intrigued, and I bet our listeners are too, so welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, so let's just jump right into it. What the heck is vertical development? Well, vertical development is something that I think everybody wants, but not many people know what it is or how to do it. So to help us understand what vertical development is, it's helpful to understand that there's two different types of development. The first type of development is horizontal development. This is adding new knowledge and new skills. I would say that this is 95%, if not more, of all of the development efforts are horizontal development. I mean, if you just simply think about a college class, what is a college class about? It's about primarily gaining new knowledge and skills. So horizontal development is a lot like adding an app onto an iPad. When we add an app onto an iPad, that broadens our functionality. So most development efforts are go to this workshop and let's download a certain app on you. And we hope that you will employ it. Um, And this is a good form of development and it surely is helpful, but it has a severe limitation. Right, Because if we add an app onto an iPad, that doesn't necessarily improve how effectively that iPad operates as a whole. And if we want to improve how effectively that iPad operates as a whole, we need to upgrade its internal operating system. And vertical development is all about upgrading our own personal internal operating system. So it's not about gaining new knowledge and skills. It's about enhancing and elevating our cognitive and emotional sophistication. And and because and here's one of the reasons why it's so important. Because if I gain a new app, does that help me navigate change, pressure, uncertainty, and complexity any any better? No. I could do more. But, but really, vertical development is about helping us to be more. Uh, I think a lot of us are carrying a lot of weight in terms of this change, pressure, uncertainty, and complexity. And then what we've got to ask ourselves are, are, is, are cognitive and emotional musculature strong enough to carry the weight that we're having to carry? And what I'm finding in the organizations I work with is, I think a lot of leaders are operating at a deficit in the sense that the complexity of their world exceeds their ability to navigate it. And and if we ever want to close that gap, that we need vertical development, because I don't think horizontal development is is going to get us there. Does that make sense? It really does. So I've got I've got two things to to say to that. Um, And I'm hoping I can keep both of them because uh, um, they're, they're they're fascinating. So in, in the work that we do, which I, I'd love to hear like how you think vertical development aligns with 
say a strengths performance organization. So I'm a strengths performance coach and trainer using the Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder tool. So and and the theory, and I'm a former Gallup consultant. So well, okay. So all right. So I don't I don't need to explain to you, but for the audience who doesn't necessarily know what all that is, yep. the the concept is really maximize your strengths instead of oh I've got this weakness. Let me really work on this weakness. And, um, but you'll never get that weakness up to your strength. Instead, the the path to, to greatness and success is really developing those strengths plus surrounding yourself with people who have different strengths. Um, and so how do you see that concept fitting into your concept of vertical development? Yeah, really great question. So, um, Here's one of the ways that I think about it, and we can continue to unpack this, but there are, there are a variety of different elements about ourselves that make us who we are. And, and we could almost stack these um, from being m- more stable, like a more stable trait within us and being less stable, right? So things like moods and attitudes and emotions, those are less stable but there's things like cognitive intelligence um, or personality that research has found are just more stable, right? Those are things that are harder to change. And Gallup's research around strengths would suggest that our strengths are more stable. I think part of the research that I've been following is suggesting that those strengths may not be as stable as Gallup has, has led us to believe, but nonetheless, they, they're relatively stable traits. Now, when we're talking about cognitive and emotional sophistication and vertical development, what we're talking about is actually we're getting at a trait about ourselves that I would say falls in the middle. It's not super stable, but it's not something that changes on a moment to moment basis or even on a day to day basis. And that trait is our mindsets. So uh, let, let me just kind of bring this to life for you. So let me ask you, how would you say that most people respond to constructive criticism? I think uh, emotionally first and probably negatively emotionally first. Right. And, and uh, maybe if I was to just summarize what you said, and maybe I'm reading into this, but I think a lot of people get defensive when they receive constructive criticism right? Yes. And we've got to ask ourselves, why would somebody get defensive when they receive constructive criticism? Because I, I happen to believe that most constructive criticism is well-intended. Um, and, and so if somebody's getting defensive, they're putting up a shield. Why would we ever put up a shield? It's because we feel like we are getting attacked, mm-hmm. right? So, so, In this moment, when people get defensive, what they're doing is their mind is making meaning of constructive criticism as an attack, and therefore they get defensive. And that makes complete sense. But then we've got to ask ourselves, is that cognitively and emotionally sophisticated? And I don't don't think so, right? (laughs) And so the next level up might be, it might be an attack. Therefore, it kind of depends on who delivers it and how they deliver it. That feels a little bit more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated, but the most cognitively and emotionally sophisticated people I know, they make meaning of constructive criticism as an opportunity to learn and grow. 
And they're more inclined to step towards it and to embrace it because they're in this cognitive and emotional space where they are good with being told that they are bad. <laughs> and it's not easy to get there. And, and all of this, what we're talking about here is making meaning of our world. And what are our meaning makers? Our meaning makers are our mindsets. And what we found is that mindsets are a trait or an aspect about ourselves that is relatively stable, but is also something that we can change. And it has been identified as the most foundational aspect for everything that we do. Hmm. Because how we make meaning of our world shapes how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. So um, coming back, let me just, I'll pause there. I want to connect it back to strengths, but let me see if if that makes sense to you. This. It, it makes Notion sense, but I can see we, we've got, we got, we got more avenues we can, we can go down. So go ahead, keep going. Yeah. So, so our, just in my mind, one of the ways that I frame up the strengths versus mindsets and how they're different is I might say that strengths are a little bit more innate traits. Mindsets are learned traits. And, and they're based upon our upbringing, our life's experience, and our current culture, which literally shapes the neural connections in our mind and our bodies. And that's fundamentally what our mindsets are, is there specific neural connections that automatically fire when we happen to see or experience a certain situation. And, and what we can do is just as we could stack somebody, like if we have a group of people, we could stack them up from shortest to tallest. We could also stack people up from least cognitively and emotionally sophisticated to most cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. And and we're just going to fall somewhere along that continuum. Mm -hmm. And vertical development is all about shifting us towards the more positive end of that continuum. Got it. Got it. The, The other piece that had come up for me when you were first explaining this and defining the concept of vertical development was... You talked about complexity and what what came for, up for me, and you can tell me if this is if this is accurate, is com- like you said, we all have to navigate this increasingly complex world and uncertainty and, and all of that. And that what you're saying is, I guess, some of this enhanced cognitive and emotional development, this vertical development allows us to break down the complexity maybe into more simple, basic pieces that helps us navigate things more easily. I, I think that that's, that's part of it. But it, I would also say it's not always making it more simple. Um, so, so I think there are a lot of paradoxes that go into being a leader. So for example, Let's just take, and this is this is the aspect when I work with leaders and executives, this is, well, actually, I will say when I work with executives, this is their biggest, one of their biggest hangups is they don't have a great relationship with failure, mm-hmm. right? So when we take failure, there's a paradox here because failure sends certain signals. And oftentimes we can interpret those signals as though we are a failure or that we are going down the wrong direction. But that's not the only way to make meaning of failure. 
We could also make meaning of failure as an opportunity to learn and grow. We could see failure as evidence that we're pushing the boundary, that, that as we're striving forward, we're getting into a territory we've never been before, naturally, we're going to fail. I mean, if we look at you know, the NASA program as a whole, if to go from nothing to the moon, surely there's going to be failures along the way. And if, if leaders aren't willing to make space for failure, then you're never going to be creative, innovative, future ready, or agile. And But what I'm finding is that leaders are really self-protective around failure because it they interpret it as though it says something about me. This is indicative of who I am. And, and that's a paradox that I think many leaders struggle with. And so when we talk about complexity and being able to sit with complexity, we have a tendency to kind of, I think what I see with leaders have a tendency to just be emotional reactors and they want to avoid failure. And they just don't create the space for the complexity of failure, that there's good aspects about it and there's bad aspects about it. And they, they just, ha- they don't really make the time or the space to sit in the muddiness that's going on there. But actually to be a great leader, you've got to be able to sit in that muddiness and be okay without, with the, without your body literally freaking out. So you're talking about leaders. And, and you and I both, you know, that, that's the space we work with. We, we tend to work with the, the leaders in, in organizations. But the way that you're describing that, and I'm smiling because I just can't help but think, you know, we've got to be okay with failure. We've got to be okay to sit in that muddiness. Um, isn't that kind of what being human <laughs> is all about? It's like, because we certainly don't have perfect lives. We screw up sometimes, things get muddy, things get murky. Um, Sometimes we fall down in the mud puddle. I just, so, so so yeah, so leaders, humans, hmm, what do you think? (laughs) You are so spot on. Let's talk about, I'm going to stay with the leaders for just a second. One of the reasons why we see, why I see this so predominantly with leaders is because they are carrying so much pressure. Right. And that's that's what's compounding it for leaders. And they, they're just not feeling as as safe as um, as people with less responsibility or less on their shoulders. But to your point is. As a parent. Right. I, I'm a parent of a 10 year old and a seven year old. Am I OK with my children failing? Like my my daughter makes a poster for class. And I'm like, and she's, she's going to turn it in, you know, the next day. And I, I say, oh, I'd love to see your poster. She pulls it out. And it's like the ugliest thing that I have ever seen. And my, my initial reaction is like, oh, no, this is not going to happen. And I had to like slow myself down in that moment and say, why, why am I not okay with this? Mm-hmm. And, and as I slowed myself down and started to ask myself, oh, it's because I'm worried about me. And how I'm going to look when she takes an ugly poster to class. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it's really not that big of a deal. And it could be a great learning experience mm-hmm. for Absolutely. So, so to your point is, and this is why I love focusing on vertical development, is it's applicable to everybody, no matter what facet of our life. Because our cognitive and emotional sophistication 
is literally what we're doing is we're connecting to our being, who we are as a person and how we navigate the various different environments that we're in. And it's just some people do it better than others. Uh, let, let me give you some vertical development characteristics here, right? So these are things that I don't think we could get through horizontal development, although we try oftentimes. But let's just take patience, for example. Patience is not a knowledge and skills thing. It's a being thing. We can look at humility, uh, psychological flexibility, uh, emotional intelligence. Right? And this is one of my biggest pet peeves about emotional intelligence. So often we boil it down to being horizontal development. Here's what you need to know and here's what you need to do. And we try to download that app onto leaders and it never works very well. It's because they've got an underlying internal operating system that isn't as sophisticated as that app that we're trying to download onto them. And they have a hard time employing that because what I find is that the people, and I've learned this even for myself, I'm not the best with emotional intelligence, but the people who are the least emotionally intelligent are the ones that are actually more self-protective. Mm -hmm. And, and what, one of the things that's fascinating to me is we can ask ourselves, why, why do people become self-protective? And one of the things that I've learned in my research is that trauma is often a huge factor in one's internal operating system and, and how the quality in which they operate. Because people who have experienced more trauma naturally are more self-protective and they have a harder time getting outside of themselves and connecting with others. In fact, people who have experienced more trauma, research is finding actually have a harder time even connecting with their own emotions and feelings. Um, and, and if you can't connect with your own emotions, and if you have a hard time connecting with others, you're not going to be, that's the epitome of emotional intelligence. So I, and I just don't think we can, we can resolve that through horizontal development. So that's why as we, there's our other characteristics, but those are some characteristics that I would consider to be vertical development characteristics. So, I've, I mean, I'm certainly wondering, and I would think that that our listeners are wondering this as well. So, what? So, I'm assuming that the work that you do with leaders and organizations is to is on this vertical development. So. What does that look like? And I realize it is probably much more complex than you can answer, you know, very simply, but give us an idea of what that, that work looks like. Yeah. So what's really helpful, and I, and I think we can simplify. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is really complex, but I think we can simplify it. So the con vertical development is a term that was coined about 10 years ago. So it's, it's a fairly new term and it isn't well known. But the concepts behind it have actually been around since the 1960s. So, and it, they actually come from the field of developmental psychology. So developmental psychology as a field has been around since the 1880s. And from the 1880s until the 1960s, the primary focus was on child development. What we've learned is that as children go from infancy to adulthood, they go through a number of different developmental stages. And they do so rather automatically. It's essentially a function of age. But in the 1960s, certain developmental psychologists started to ask the question, do adults develop and do they have different developmental stages? 
And what they found is that yes, adults do develop. Yes, or I will say adults can develop. Uh, yes, there are different adult development stages, but actually that most adults don't develop in adulthood in terms of their cognitive and emotional sophistication. So um, what we find is, and what thought leaders have done is there are three primary stages of adult or what I'm calling vertical development. Um, and so one of the things that I do is in terms of when I work with leaders is I help them to understand what vertical development is, what are these different levels, where are you at, and how do we elevate? Um, so it maybe makes sense just at a high level, if you're okay with it, just to kind of go through each of those three levels. Absolutely. Briefly. Yes, I'm curious for sure. Well, uh, so at, at each of these levels, and I call them mind 1.0, mind 2.0, and mind 3.0, because they're representative of a, at each level, we have a different internal operating system. Our, literally, our body is programmed to fulfill different needs at each of these different levels. So at that base level, the mind 1.0 level, and this is actually what research has found is 64% of all adults operate at this level. And, and the needs that we are wired to fulfill here are safety, comfort, and belonging. And what we do is when we've got these needs of safety, comfort, and belonging, we want to join and identify with groups or tribes that will help us to feel safe, comfortable, and feel like we belong. And generally, we don't want to be a leader when we join these groups. Like We don't want to step in and take charge. We simply say, you just tell me what to do, and I will do it provided you keep me safe, comfortable, and feeling like I belong. And, and because we operate in this manner, we could classify mind 1.0 people oftentimes as dependent thinkers. They, they let other people make their decisions. Uh, they give away their power and independence and just in exchange for safety, comfort, and belonging. So that's the mind 1.0 level. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. My, uh, my fellow... Uh, consultant and husband Mark is a uh, has a master's in clinical psychology and had a private uh, therapy practice for 28 years. So for the, the so for for me, maybe not so much for the 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 listeners, but for me, I, I, I'm I'm tracking right along with you. Yep, good. The next level, mind 2.0, you're going to see a very significant shift in our needs. Our needs here are to stand out, advance, and get ahead. In fact, and this is how dramatically different it is, is we become willing to be unsafe, uncomfortable, and not belong in order to stand out, advance, and get ahead. And 35% of all adults operate at this level. And so when we're here, we're not dependent thinkers, we become independent thinkers. We're the ones that kind of stand upon our own two feet with our beliefs, we're willing to push against our tribe's beliefs, and we actually want to be the leader. Right? We, we see there's a whole bunch of mind 1.0 people that are willing to give up their power and independence. And mind 2.0 people say, ooh, I would like to use that and get you to help me stand out, advance, and get ahead. So what I've said so far is that mind 1.0, is 64% of all adults operate there. 35% operate at mind 2.0. But when we look at the statistics of just executives, 7% operate at mind 1.0 and 85% operate at mind 
where they're wanting to be leaders, use the, pa- use the power um, given uh, to them by Mind 1.0 people to help them stand out, advance, and get ahead. And so that's Mind 2.0. You want to add anything there or should we go to Mind 2.0? I'm just, I'm I'm waiting for the 3.0. I'm waiting for the 3.0. So Mind 3.0, again, we're going to see a pretty significant shift in in the needs here. And our needs here are to contribute, add value, and lift others. And when we're here, we're not dependent thinkers or we're not independent thinkers. We are interdependent thinkers. We can see and sit with complexity. That's what we've talked about already. Also, one of the things that we should recognize is that Mind 1.0 people, they're effectively wired to stand in and they want to stand in right now. They have a really hard time looking towards the future. Mind 2.0 people, they want to stand out and they want to stand out either right now or in the short term. What's the next benchmark we need to hit? And that's what they're focused on. And they have a really hard time seeing the longer term as well. Mind 3.0 people, they don't care about standing in and they don't care about standing out. And that allows them to disconnect from the pressures of the moment and keep focused on creating value towards a bigger purpose. Um, so it's, it's not uncommon for me to hear, I'm sure you're similar to me to hear leaders that are kind of like, I don't get why we should focus on culture. Well, whenever somebody says that it was okay, they're in mind 2.0, they're focused on the short term and, and culture is never going to help them meet their short term goals. Culture is always a long term play and it may be the most important long term play. And it's really only the mind 3.0 leaders that embrace culture. You look at people like uh, Satya Nadella at Microsoft, who says the C in CEO stands for curator of culture. You look at Ed Catmull, the former president of Pixar and, and took over Disney animation. And he said, my job is to remove fear from the organization. Right? These, are, these are mind 3.0 leaders. And what statistics have found is that 1% of all adults operate primarily in mind 3.0 and only 8% of executives operate at that mind 3.0 level. So those are the three mind levels. And just, you know, I'm happy to unpack these in any way, but I think naturally this starts to get us to ask the question, well, where am I? What is my vertical altitude? And there's nothing wrong with being at mind 1.0 or mind 2.0 because we're all on our own vertical development journey. It's just that at those lower levels of cognitive and emotional sophistication, we just hold ourselves back from being as as positively influential as as we potentially could be. And so as we rise up in our vertical altitude, what we're doing is we're really stepping into our potential. And... So of course, and, and and you you what you just said really uh, speaks to this, but it's it implies the framework implies the ability to move from one level to another, and so I'm I'm going to guess that that's what your newest book is about, and also probably a lot of the work that you do. So can you say a little bit about? about that as far as that ability to move from level to level to level. Yeah. So here's what I'll, I'll say just as a kind of a one-liner is I'm never going to say vertically developing is easy, but I will say, I think it's easier than most people think. 
Um, and, and there's really kind of two approaches to vertically developing ourselves. And, and the primary approach that I use in organizations is, as we've kind of already alluded to, is through a focus on mindsets. Because there are different mindsets that are out there that range in cognitive and emotional sophistication. So I think many people are familiar with fixed and growth mindsets. And what a fixed mindset is, is just less cognitively and emotionally sophisticated than a growth mindset. We could look at closed versus open mindsets. People with a closed mindset, it's really protective. Um, and people who are open, they're just more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. There's prevention, which is I'm trying not to lose. And there's promotion. I'm trying to, to win. Um, and there's, a, again, differences in, in cognitive and emotional sophistication. And then there's inward versus outward mindset. So I'm more important than others is inward. Outward is you are just as important as I am. And each of these different sets of mindsets just range in this cognitive and emotional sophistication. And so I've got a mindset assessment. If anybody's interested, they could go to my website at ryangotfordson.com. And I've had 30,000 people take this mindset assessment. And what I found is only 2.5% are in the top quartile for all four of these more positive mindsets, growth, open promotion, and outward. And what that just means is we've got some vertical development to do. We can, and we could shift. So, it, But if we can awaken to what mindsets we struggle with, then we could focus on that for our development. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier, our mindsets are simply neural connections. And the neural connections are a lot like our muscles. The more we use them, the stronger they become. And so effectively, if we want to vertically develop, we've got to hit the gym for our mind. And, and so I create, I have tools and, and a bunch of resources and people go to my website, they can find those about how do we exercise and elevate our mind at a neurological level. And, and focusing on mindsets is the way that I do it. I think there's other ways to do it. Therapy is surely one of those ways to do it. Um, but, and, and there's, there's more than that, but I primarily focus on that mindset lens. Very interesting. Um, so what would be your, so I always, I always ask, um, you know, my guests on the show to, to, to kind of give their, their number one tip in, in whatever area we're talking about. And so, so my, my question to you would, would be, what is your number one tip or the, the number one way to get started? If someone's listening to this and saying, I really want to, I can, I can see this and I see that, you know, I want to develop some of the, these cognitive and emotional abilities. Um, where do they start? What's the number one most important thing they need to know? And I realize I've, I've sort of asked that two different ways and there could be two different answers. No, it's a great question. For me, it always starts with self-awareness and awareness in general. What I've learned for myself and the leaders I work with is the deeper we go inward, the higher we go in terms of our vertical development. Uh, let me give you an example of this. So I was, I was coaching uh, the head of sales in, in a large organization. And I asked him, what do you do or not do that prevents you from being a more effective leader? And his answer was, well, I shut down the ideas of my subordinates. And I was like, my eyes are like open wide for two reasons. One is like, this is terrible. Like, and, and he gets it, right? But, but then the other part of me is like, but this is awesome because 
at least you're aware of it. Most leaders don't even know that they're doing it, right? Exactly. And so that I ask him, why do you shut down the ideas of your subordinates? And he says, I don't know. It's just my natural reaction, right? Right then when he says this, this is, it tells me this is not a horizontal development problem. This is a vertical development problem. And we've got to, we've got to get to the root of this. So we, we were working on that. And, and later in the phone call, he says, I get it. Uh, okay, tell me what, what's, what's clicking for you. And he says, I feel like if my subordinates give a good idea and it's accepted by others, everybody else will see them as being smart and me as being dumb for not coming up with it in the first place. And so what he was now discovering is we're uncovering, he's got a fear. He's got an insecurity about looking dumb. And the more protective he is around that, the more he shuts down the ideas of his subordinates. And what I tried to help him, and this is part of his, his journey, is to help him to see, look, it's okay to not have all the answers. That doesn't make you dumb. But that's the way that he's making meaning of it right now. And so we were able to clearly identify a place where he needed some vertical development and then help him to engage in activities and behaviors um, to help him to kind of resolve the anxieties that he, that he's having there. So, um, and that, that's just, the example is he just wasn't aware of what was going on underneath as he became aware of what was going on underneath. Now he's feeling more empowered to do something. So to me, that's the place to start is awareness. And so I've got my mindset assessment. I've also got a vertical development assessment, which I, I feel like are more objective tools that help in that process. So if anybody's interested. That's, that's fantastic information and a great resource. And I've taken your, um, your, your growth versus fixed mindset assessment. So I'm looking forward to taking your vertical development assessment as well. Um, so tell me what, since your book is coming out soon, Elevated Leader, Leveling Up Your Leadership Through Vertical Development, tell me what, what people can expect to find in that book. Well, they're going to understand why, what it is, and why vertical development is so important, particularly now, given the the rising complexity of the world around us. Um, So what it is, why we need it, what are these three mind levels that we discussed, and then how do we elevate? So um, the first half of the book is kind of the why, the what, the levels. The second half of the book is then how how do we go about elevating? So we talk about mindsets, as we talked about here. Uh, Also, we dive into the neuroscience of leadership development, which is really fascinating. I mean, one of the things that we've learned is that, and and that I've observed, well, let me ask you this. Um, Do you think that, I'll, I'll phrase it this way, what percentage of leadership development thought right now was developed or rooted in something that was developed pre 2005? I'd say the most of it. Almost all of it, right? And this is really fascinating because the year 2005 is when neuroscience research started to take hold because we developed the technology to study the brain. So we've learned more about the mind and the brain in the last 15-ish years than all of time before that. And so what that leaves us with is all of our leadership development curriculum right now 
doesn't focus on the mind, doesn't focus on the brain, but it's the center of our, of our, who we are and how we manifest as a leader. And, and so that's one of the things that has largely been missing. So part of the process is integrating the mind into leadership development, that this is a really critical part of becoming a more effective person and a more effective leader. And, and so we dive into that in the book. And I, for me, the most meaningful aspect of the book is, it was taught, and I mentioned a little bit, is connecting it back to trauma. We know that 80% of adults have experienced trauma to the degree that it has negatively impacted their body's nervous system. Hmm. And that affects everything that they do. And so to me, the beautiful message there is, and the implication is, if we want to elevate as a leader, we've actually got to heal ourselves. And, and to me, that that's been meaningful on a personal level, but it's just meaningful to think that maybe I'm in the business of helping people to heal at a foundational level. That is awesome. And I'm just, my, my brain is just reeling. Um, I mean, this is, this is actually shifting a, a, a bit of the way that I think and making me want to delve more into this. Like I said, you know, my husband has that that background is a you know, master's in clinical psychology, but again, you know, pre 2005. Um, yeah. So, and, and we're, you know, we also work with leaders and, and, and so I'm just thinking, oh my gosh. So I can't wait, <laughs> can't wait until your book comes out. Um, and so my understanding is that the book comes out October 11th. October 11th. Uh, if this, I don't know when this podcast will launch, if it's before October 11th, you can pre-order it. If it's after, then go ahead and buy it. It'll be available in ebook, audiobook, paperback. And then there's a whole host of resources that go along with it. In fact, one of the things that comes with it, which is really cool, is there's a company called QStream and they develop, they've developed a micro learning tool um, that is designed to help people exercise their, their neural connections as that's a big part of vertical development and retain the knowledge that you learn either reading a book or going to a workshop. So, and they've, they've been generous enough to give this away for free. So people who buy the book can get access to a, I call it a digital vertical development coach that goes along with the book so that when you read it, it's like, oh, this is great information, but then I forget it two weeks later. So it's a tool that's designed to help us retain what we've learned, but also at the process is activate and stimulate those positive mindset neural connections. So it's really cool tool. And I'm excited. I'm just as excited for that as I am the book. So. All right. I, I, you know, I'm sitting here going, I mean, when you, so for our listeners, you know, if you're listening to this pre-October 11th, 2022, then just like me, you got away. It's like waiting for the next season of Stranger Things, you know, that God knows when that's <laughs> going to come out. Um, or, you know, but if you're lucky enough and you're listening to this after October 11th, 2022, you can just go get the book right now. Um, there you so, go. <laughs> um, Ryan, this has really been fantastic. And tell us where people can find out more about you and your work. Well, thank you. Uh, so website, ryangodfordson.com is probably the best place. Uh, the next best place is LinkedIn. And that's where the social media platform I'm the most active and would love to connect with anybody there. Fantastic. Well, Ryan, 
as I said, I, I'm just so delighted about this conversation. I am going to go take your vertical development assessment right now, uh, as soon as we get <laughs> off this. And I, and I've already I've already written down a reminder to to order your book on October 11th. So uh, again, I'm just I'm really excited. And again, for those of you who are listening, check out Ryan at RyanGottfordson.com. You can find the the link in the show notes for sure. And um, again, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. No, thanks for having me. It really means a lot. It's an honor. Great, great. All right, everybody out there, until next time, may you thrive.